The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. The Old Testament reading this morning is from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and on it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Praise the Lord, saints. Praise the Lord, saints. Oh, praise the God. We uh, thank you, Ariel, for that beautiful song. Again, you guys did a great job. Amen. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. Uh, uh, we are continuing our sermon series through the Ten Commandments, uh, and we've titled this series because we started with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we and intimacy with God essentially, which then leads to intimacy with one another, and it is important for us to uh, understand that as we go through this, it affects the way that we worship. Uh, it affects. how we continue to pursue and care for one another. And I want to continue to reiterate that because I know that much of what you guys see us do, family breakfasts or emphasizing community groups, it can be lost in translation or it can seem as if um, it's another program or another event, but it's intentional. Uh, And it's intentional from the standpoint of what we see what God does is intentional. This morning we'll look at the Sabbath, the fourth commandment. It is very intentional. It's a controversial topic by which we understand that Christians have been arguing about this for a very long time. Even since the first century church and past. That God established this Sabbath uh, in order to benefit his people. uh, In order to benefit people in general as well. And it's important to note that the Sabbath does not mean Sunday morning worship. The Sabbath means a day of rest. Without work. Um, and so morning, so this morning we will explore what it means to live a life that is worshipful. Which it means that we lead to true rest in Christ. Amen. Let me pray before we got, go into God's word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and we bless you for what you have done for us. And how you continue to cause our souls to be still. And how you have drawn our attention by your tender mercies and understanding Lord Jesus that you are one who thinks about us in so many ways that we oftentimes are not mind we don't we oftentimes don't recognize how mindful you are of us so I pray through through this uh, through this fourth commandment this morning your people will see how you care for them and Lord Jesus, I pray that you hide me beneath your cross. I love the words of my heart and the meditate the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Our rock and our redeemer. All God's people said, Amen. 
many of you may not know, some of you have been visiting, and I remember someone saying, you know what, I haven't met Richard. Richard is the lead pastor of this church, or Michael Davis, the teaching pastor of this church. Uh, he has been on sabbatical. And part of the sabbatical, he's been going through this book, um, and so has our staff team. And we have been walking through the Jesus way. And if you have not uh, received this or you need a copy of it, please let us know. Uh, we're trying to read alongside and just uh, be on the same accord together. But it's about how we do not only ministry but life, live a worshipful life, the Jesus way. Not our own way, but his way. And so it's important to know that because I remember reading uh, a quote that Lily Riken said that either, I mean, earlier in this century, someone claimed that we work at our play. We work at our play. And we play at our work. Today the confusion has deepened though. Because we worship our work and we work at our play. And we play at our work. This reality is very prevalent for us today as it relates to rest. I don't know if y'all got that. It was we worship at our work. We work at our play. And we play at our worship. This is a very prevalent reality when it comes to rest. Because I don't think many of us take rest as if it's a worshipful event. In fact, I think oftentimes we can take rest out of context and what it, God says about the Sabbath by simply escaping our day-to-day duties in order to find pleasure in relaxation. I think there's a clear distinction because God wants us to know that he is being intentional with establishing the Sabbath so that we may rest in him, not in our own pleasures. Not in an exotic vacation. Not in the fact of what we can and cannot do. We find rest in Christ. And then that, that, that runs the spectrum. Because some of us cannot take, we can't afford to take vacations. But yet there are, we do have off days. And so there is a possibility to where we can legitimately, if we can't get down to the beach, we can legitimately find rest in Jesus in a staycation. Oh, but if but there is the other aspect of it where some of us travel widely and we go different places, and yet you labor so hard on vacation that you're still exhausted because you haven't found rest in Jesus Christ. And this is the issue that we have with uh, our people today and in our churches today because finding restoration, finding peace and joy, all of that is not found in where we go. It's who we go to. And that is what we're unpacking this morning because what I want us to grab know is that we must stop trying to work at our play or play with our worship. But we must find true rest in Christ-centered worship. That is the day-to-day. That is our life. We should always be worshipful, worshipers. And we see this because Jesus, because God tells us in the fourth commandment to remember. And we're going to remember a couple things this morning. Three things. Remember His purpose. Remember, we are his witnesses. And then we also must remember to honor his lordship. Remember his purpose. Remember we are witnesses. And remember to honor his lordship. The first one we ought to see is remember his purpose. It's important to know that the Sabbath did not start with the the fourth commandment. 
The Sabbath actually started with God in Genesis 2 through 3, uh, 2 through 3, where He established on the seventh day rest. And when we know that, we understand that that is the actual archetype for rest. We also see that that this doesn't necessarily look the same in terms of what happened prior to because he did not know the I mean God knew the fall was coming but the fall did not come prior to Genesis uh, prior to uh, 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 Genesis 2 therefore rest essentially meant what it was for all human beings it was for everybody it was what God intended until man fell rest then we work at rest we toil the ground we're exhausted from the day to day we're cursed. Our rest is cursed. So what's the purpose? Before we have to, under, before we have to understand what God is saying in, terms, uh, in this creational account. Look at Genesis 2, 2 through 3. You should have it on a monitor here. Uh, where he says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished in all the host of them. All the host of them. The seventh day God finishes work and that he, uh, that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. In some sense you can see God marveling at his creation. In the other sense uh, we understand that the seventh day is not, the Sabbath did not mean the seventh day. What God, what we see happening is, is a part of the creational ordinance. Just as much as God said, replenish the earth, subdue the land, be fruitful and multiply, etc. What he is saying is, also rest. We focus on the doing. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. We focus on uh, having dominion over all of creation. But yet... We also must focus intentionally on resting in God. So God did not rest because he was exhausted. Many of us, we rest because we're exhausted. We find rest, we, we overexert ourselves and then we think it's time to rest. We don't make provisions in order to rest. God is a provisional God. He did not rest because he was exhausted. It was because he had completed the work that he had desired to accomplish. And so we understand what the Hebrew is saying is about, the, about Sabbath, it literally means cease or stop. Cease working or stop working. That's exactly what it is. Stop doing the regular day-to-day that will resemble uh, work in any fashion in order to draw your attention to God. Now this is controversial because various different individuals are on the spectrum in terms of being a moderate Sabbatarian or being a very conservative Sabbatarian. And what that means is some of people may say, don't even get out of your seat on a Sabbath. Don't take a nap on the Sabbath. Don't uh, on the day of rest. And I want to continue to say the day of rest. Don't, don't uh, make sure you don't necessarily try to uh, do any, any recreational work. I, I won't, I won't get into all of the controversial issues or views that you see uh, have heard regarding the Sabbath. But what we, what, because what I want you to, what I want you to understand is that every view essentially has this thing, rest. That's what we ought to find, rest. What am I getting to? Uh, what is the Bible saying to us? It's fundamentally telling us how we ought to worship God with our rest. 
You see this in Exodus 16:23, where God actually makes provisions for the people before he gives them manna. What does God say in Exodus 23-30? through 30, He tells them to prepare their food before the Sabbath so they don't cook anything or they don't go to the field to make anything. First of all, I thought this was a biblical precedence for leftovers because he told them, make your food for tomorrow. Amen to leftovers. Uh, I know some of y'all struggle with the leftovers, but I I love leftover ministry. Um, but, but, But the reality is, it is the... It is what God commands Israel to prep in preparation for rest. Now that's very intentional because the purpose of remembering the Sabbath is that God is basically making provisions for his people to rest in him and not in what they are going to do. And if you were to think about this as an Israelite, it makes a little bit more sense from the standpoint of they had been, they had seen the complete opposite. For 400 years, they were enslaved. 400 years, they were enslaved. And everything about rest was the opposite. It was labor, labor, excessive labor, oppressive labor. We, it, it was mandatory labor. They didn't have a choice whether to rest. Also, you have to remember that as Moses is writing this, he is actually writing in the context of where these people had understood that God, people were worshiping the moon, they were worshiping the sun. There was a solar God or a lunar God, so to speak. And what happened was the people had did not govern their own time. And so what, 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 what we understand is if Israel is not worshiping the God of the moon or the God of the sun, and, but this God is saying, you know what I want you to do? I don't want you to work every time. You're, you're, you're not, I'm not dictating your work upon whether the moon is up or the sun is up. I don't think, I don't think y'all are really catching this. I know, I'm trying not to make it a Sunday school lesson, but the reality is, is that some of us, if you were to think about this in terms of being an Israelite, it's a complete blessing that the God who who declares himself the only God says, no matter what the day is, no matter what's going on, I want you to rest. Some of us really need to hear that this morning. Because you're not resting. In fact, your day-to-day is exhausting you. You are stressed. You are overwhelmed. You can't even find the time to think of your, with your own mind because you are thinking about the next task or the next thing to do. And you say, God, I don't know when to rest. I think part of it is, it's because you haven't given up control. I think part of it is, is because you don't know how to rely on Jesus. And what the Bible is telling us, and we see this, the Bible is telling us is that even for people in the ancient Near East, they had to rest. They had to trust in God. Because he was continuously making provisions. Now this is difficult for us in the 21st century. Because it's hard for me to see Chick-fil-A closed every Sunday. I struggle with it. Sister Audrey always go get, make sure she get her Chick-fil-A on Saturday because she knows that they're going to be closed on Sunday. Amen. I just said, Lord, can you just get some heathens in there to work on Sunday and uh, I'll go through the drive-thru and evangelize them so they can give me some uh, Chick-fil-A. But Chick-fil-A said why we're, they have a statement of why we're closed on Sundays. The founder said this. 
It says he made the decision to close on Sunday in 1946 when he opened the restaurant in Hapville, Georgia. Having worked seven days a week in a restaurant open 24 hours, Truett saw the importance of closing on Sunday so that he and his employees could set aside one day to rest and worship if they chose a practice we uphold today. He essentially says, it is not about being closed. It's about how we use our time. God governs our time. God governs everything about us. We don't understand that and that's difficult for us. Some of us don't even trust in Jesus and we don't even know what it means for us to give God our time. But I want you to know that not only does Chick-fil-A close on Sunday, but, but Cozy Corner also closes on Sunday. I remember sitting talking to Miss Desiree, who's the owner and founder of that particular restaurant, the finest barbecue ribs on earth to me in particular. But she said, you know what? That is a day that I rest with my family. That we come together. And we set aside everything else. I'm not thinking about revenue. I'm not thinking about trying to make however make, make much money or make much money or be the finest restaurant on a Sunday morning that's going to attract or Sunday afternoon that's going to attract everyone. But what I what I value is my time with my family. I, I think that many of us need to hear this. And I know it's hard for parents because you probably said the same thing throughout the, when I was reading this text. God, how can we rest with toddlers? That doesn't even make sense. The reality is, you rest because you know that you're trusting that God will make provisions for the, day to, for the next day to come. It may not be Sunday. It may be Monday. Your Sabbath, your day of rest may be Tuesday. But make sure you do rest. Because, listen, we're not a society known to be lazy. In fact, we're society to know to be overworked. We're overworked Americans. In 2000, some percentages came out and said 68% of us say we need more funds. 68%, 60, 67% of us say we need longer vacations. Another uh, 66% of us say well, we feel often stressed. And uh, 60% say we feel in crunch time just about every day of our life. And 51% of us say we want less work and more play. And 49% say we feel pressured to succeed. And then another 48% say we feel overwhelmed. I'm sure these numbers have skyrocketed since then, the early 2000s. But I want you to think about this. How much, where, what percentage are you in? Where are you? How is God governing your time? And see, this is what's crazy. Much of this we put on ourselves. It's not always our boss. It's not always the company. It's us. We may feel antsy. We don't know how to occupy our time. We don't know what it means to actually rest. We don't know what it means to rest in Jesus Christ. We we, we struggle with these things because we don't know what it means for Him to make provisions. And this is important. The reason it's important because the way of the Sabbath is supposed to be holy. It allows us to not only set a day that's holy apart, but to worship a God that is holy. It gives us that privilege. And so what what does that mean? Okay, on that day of rest, for my teachers, 
Don't lesson plan. On that day of rest, for my students, my college students, don't try to fill it with homework. On that day of rest, don't try to answer emails that you've been trying to clean out your, your inbox. That's about 10,000 emails um, of unread emails. Don't let your OCD take control of your rest. But uh, don't, don't allow yourself to do anything to try to catch up or place something else on that particular day that you are setting apart in order to do, do some work. Make sure it looks different. Make sure that it is holy. I'm not getting no amens, but I believe that this is what God's word is saying. And I believe it because God cares for us in such a unique way that we don't understand how to care for ourselves. And so he has to make a day for rest. So remember the purpose of it. But then also the point too, remember we are witnesses. I already alluded to the fact of what the God that they were, they were being enticed to worship. The God, the moon God and the sun God. The Israelites were supposed to be witnesses in their context simply because they worshiped a different God who said, now you have a Sabbath day of rest. What does this mean when you look at verse 10, and I mean 9 and 10, you, you see this. Look at verse 9, starting out. It says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. Some of your work? Six days you shall labor and do some of your work. All of your work. God is saying whatever you have to get done, get it done in those six days. Don't save it for that seventh day. Don't save it for that day of rest. And the reason being is, is because you ought to have it set apart. And some days, um, some of you all have planned things on your Sabbath day. Some of you have intentionally made that particular day a day of work because you can't get everything you need to get done in seven days. I mean in six days. This is challenging because when it is time to rest, we always find things to do. God is calling us to be diligent at our work. He's calling us to look at this commandment that it may govern us and be realistic with our time. Don't set yourself up to do 18 days of work in six days. That's what it's saying to us. That is a God that is loving and is so gracious. Because the fact of the matter is, as Christians, even if you work in a hostile environment, the fact that you can rest actually is a witness. The fact that some of my teachers, the fact that some of y'all are saying to yourselves that I, I don't... I, 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 got, I don't know how I'm going to get this done. And your co-worker saying, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get this done at this amount of time. And you say, well, I've I got to take this day. This is my day of rest. Someone may inquire of the fact of what does that mean that you rest, giving you the ability to be a witness of God. It, it continues on, though. It continue, Look at verse 10 where it says, 10a, where it says, but the seventh day on the Sabbath day is to the Lord. There are so many times where the Sabbath is not to the Lord. It is so many times where our day of rest is to our own pleasures. It's, to, it's surrounded by our own desires. 
I mean, this is th- these are things where I'm saying that it needs to be to the Lord. Here are some practical things. We've been going through the Bible project where we want you to come on Sunday mornings uh, when we have it in the Quip Hour. But if you can go online and use the Bible project to govern your devotional time, that'd be helpful because it has videos. If you can allow yourself to leave time to meditate and pray on God's Word and he- and with the things that concern your heart, that's a day of that you're inclu- that, that you're not including God, but that you're finding rest in Jesus Christ. And then you also want to stretch yourself theologically or stretch yourself biblically. Use that big study Bible that you purchased and just read that. You don't need to go to seminary. You don't need to read anything. Just spend the year reading all of the articles and the study notes in that. You will be a theologian by the end of that book. But use those tools. We have enough things to sharpen us. In moments of rest and to equip us, especially when we are concerned. And even when you say, well, Mike, I'm an active person. In your recreational time, listen to Bible audio. Listen to sermon podcasts. Listen to things that are going to encourage your spiritual walk. If you like to walk, take long walks and listen. If you like to meditate, take long runs and meditate. If you like to go to the gym and pump iron, get swole, whatever you like to do, turn off the, the boom bap, the trap, and Taylor Swift. I just heard somebody listen to Taylor Swift this morning. Chester Gilchrist listens to Taylor Swift. I didn't know that. While bench pressing. But, but, but don't, but allow your recreational time, if you do, do something on your day of rest to be governed by God. And that's what it means. Even when you, if you love to paint, if you love to take, do photography, things of that nature, do it in a way that is going to be restful. Do it in a way that is going to be God-honoring and glorifying to Him. And then in verse 10b, look at what he says. He continues on. Uh, because I, I do want to reiterate this. We do it because it restores our soul and it refreshes our soul. Look at verse 10b. It says, on it you shall, do, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or uh, uh, your, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop. What is he saying? First of all, you don't do any work. And then parents, I'm going to check you. Don't try to make your son or your daughter do any work. Our kids deserve a Sabbath. I need to talk to God about that because I thought they were supposed to be personal slaves. However, but it's true. Even our children deserve rest. Have you thought about rest for your toddler? Have you thought about rest for your 16-year-old? Have you thought about rest for for your 10-year-old? When you know that they're crunching out schoolwork and schoolwork and schoolwork and you see they're laboring, have you made provisions for them? You know what? Son, daughter, take this day to rest. I don't want to see you do any schoolwork. I don't want to see you make any... I don't want to see you uh, doing anything that is, that is going to be labor intensive. Are your children... Are their days exhausted because they're doing 50,000 soccer, football, flag football, basketball games? Is that restful for them? God is intentionally thinking about us so that we may model how we intentionally think about our children. You realize how that's a witness to our society today? You realize how that's different and countercultural and how we imitate God through that? But then he not only says that, he says your male servants and then your female servants and your livestock. 
So that the reality is, even on the day of rest, that means you don't hire someone else, hire somebody out in order to come do work that you were supposed to do. God's holding you accountable for that. You don't, you don't, you don't try to find someone else. Oh, well, I can't get the grass done today, so I'm gonna hire, you know, whoever in order to cut my grass or do my yard. Well, I was, I was supposed to do the painting on the house this day, so, but I'm gonna hire out a painter so they can get the job done. God says rest. If you're a farmer, he, make, making sure that your cattle even gets rest. If you own a dog, a cat, making sure, I feel like my dog sleep all the time. But, but God said he need, she need rest. But he's being intentional. Because there are people in agriculture, there are farmers, there are people that do work on a day-to-day basis. But they, they work seven days a week and they don't get any rest. I know several farmers that do that. And he's saying, find rest. And this last one is, is so suitable for our time, especially with the immigration issues that we have. He says the sojourner, meaning someone that is not from the nation of Israel. A sojourner, someone that is not from that particular area. That they are supposed to get rest. That doesn't mean when we have, we definitely have in Memphis, in Tennessee, a, a large population of refugees. That doesn't mean because we see our, our refugee brothers and sisters looking for work and needing things to be done that we hire them to do rest on the day that we call rest. There's some justice in that. Because we're actually trying to teach and model what we do. We don't have someone come over and clean up our house. Because we can't get it done within those six days. There's somewhere in that, I think in the 21st century, God not only wants us to find provision in Him, uh, uh, trust in His provisions, but trust in the fact that you can't do everything. Your house may be junky on your rest day. But see, I think that there, that there is fluctuation. There is no, I don't want us to think, walk away from here. Mike is telling us to be strict. Mike wants us to only see it one particular way. What I'm saying is you know and God knows your heart. And you can see passages of Scripture where people have... Uh, have done, have picked, in, in the Old Testament in particular, picked grains but not died. But you see other people who picked grains and died. God knows the heart of those individuals. Rest is important. And it's tough for us today. Because society doesn't tell us to do it. But we have to adhere to God in every form of our life. And here is what he does through it. This is under point two. First of all, he provides redemption. He makes us holy. And it's it's a gift. Remember your witnesses. Why? Because it it provides redemption. It makes us holy. And it's a gift. Where are you going, Mike? Well, when you look at, we're just going to cross-reference a couple of scriptures. Because when you look at Deuteronomy 5.15, it says, We see the same commandment listed, but in, but in it, but it, but in saying, sorry, I'm always talking fast. But it in saying, you shall remember that you were slave, you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out there, out of there, out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Why does it, in the, in, the, in the Ten Commandments, in the Ten Words, in Exodus, say in differently 
than in when Moses talks about it in Deuteronomy. Here's why. Because God wants us to understand that the Sabbath is connected to a remembrance of deliverance. There's a theological component in which the Sabbath actually is connected to encourage us to see that the finished work on the cross allows us to work and rest in Christ. To know that he, was, he died, he was buried, and that he rose again actually gives us the freedom to rest in Jesus Christ. He provides redemption. Then he makes us holy. When you look at Exodus 31, 13 and 17, it says, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall, you shall keep my, my Sabbath. For this is a sign, say sign, between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. He also says in 17, it is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in the six days the Lord made heaven and earth and on the Sabbath day he rested and was refreshed. Oh! Do you see what it's saying now? The fact that it makes us holy is because it's a spiritual maturation for us. The Sabbath actually matures us and then it's a sign of God's covenant faithfulness to us. And it makes us holy because he marks us by his covenant. Are you tracking with me? Because this Sabbath day, this restful day, is set apart in order to sanctify us. So much of our sanctification is placed on how much we do. But if we were to flip that and, and, and know that if I rest in Christ... I'm allowing him to sanctify me through the ministry of rest. That's important. Because so many of our hearts are concerned, bothered, worried. And we are, we are, we are brought down more and more mentally fatigued and worn down. It is so hard to see so many young adults today who are mentally stressed and struggle with anxiety and depression. Because the fact is, part of this is they haven't found rest in Jesus Christ. And then it's a gift. It's also a gift. Because it's tied directly to the fact that when Israel gets to the promised land... They find rest. I'm going to stretch that out, but when you can look at this in Exodus uh, 23 and 12, where it says, The six days you shall do your work, but on the seventh day you shall rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant woman and the alien may be refreshed. Then when you look at uh, Psalm 95, 7 through 11, I'm going to just read verse 11. It says, Therefore I swore in my wrath, they shall enter my rest. What it's pointing to is the fact that where they were supposed to go, the promised land, is actually a restful place. Where we're supposed to go, when you can look at this all the way from the redemptive historical perspective, and that is all the way in Genesis 1, Two and three, God is making a plan in revelation in order to provide you with eternal rest. It's a gift. As much as the Holy Spirit is a gift, as much as His mercy and His grace is a gift, it's a gift to understand that one day you will not have to labor anymore. Because He promised it. So like Israel, 
among all the other nations. And one of the things missionally, Israel, Israel was supposed to draw all the nations unto them in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, we're called through Matthew 28 in order to go out to all of the nations. And so this, think about this reality of Israel being a witness of what God is doing and how he delivered them to all of the nations that actually come to them. We are to be witnesses of his rest as well by imitating it. And then we ought to remember to honor his lordship. Honor his lordship. Remember to honor his lordship. The Pharisees definitely didn't do this. You can look at Mark 22 and 28 where Jesus declares the lordship over the Sabbath after being accused of violating it. Now mind you, Jesus and his disciples, they don't, they don't have a lot of money. So as they're walking around as impoverished individuals, they're just picking up a couple grains because they don't have anything to eat. But the Pharisees actually have made the Sabbath day burdensome because and dutiful because the purpose of it is for them is to maintain a particular law. Where Jesus says, I, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. He declares his lordship by saying, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. That then means that God actually makes it holy. That then means that the Sabbath actually has power to redeem, to refresh, to restore all of us. Why? Because we see that it falls in line with the redemptive narrative. That everything that is finished, all things that are completed, reflects what happens, in, what we see in Genesis 2. When God is able to look back at his creation and rest on the seventh day and said, I've done it. i completed it. i finished it. What we do is, in trusting, in trusting in his lordship, we fall back on a restful day and say, God, this six days you've got me through. I didn't know what was going to happen these last six days. I was stressed. I was overwhelmed. I had a huge project to do. I didn't know if I would get it done. I didn't know if I would get it finished. All of these kids at school are driving me crazy. And these six days or five, however many days you got to deal with those babies, they drive, they've driven me crazy. And I've, I, 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 this, this Sabbath day, this day of rest, you've reminded me that you sustained me through it. Thank you, Jesus. Do y'all see how you can practically live out the Sabbath day, the day of rest, in a true, holy way that honors God's lordship by looking to him, not just getting you through six days, but providing you with rest on the seventh, on the Sabbath day. I don't want us to focus on the seventh day being the Sabbath. Whatever day that is for you to rest. If it's Wednesday, let it be Wednesday. If it's Thursday, if it's Friday. But put that in place because you honor God's Lordship. And here's why it's important to honor God's Lordship. The Lord of the Sabbath, Sabbath, who governs our rest. It's because this is what he says in verse 11 in Exodus. He says this, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. I want you to note something. God blessed it and he made it holy. God blessed it and he made it holy. God blessed it and he made it holy. This day is not just any other day. It's a day that he's blessed. And that speaks to us and it comforts us and assures us because the reason that we honor him is because the day that he's blessed is for us. When we are frustrated, when we are concerned with our health, 
because it's reduced due to the fact that we haven't rest. Uh, we haven't rested. Excuse me, my perfect past tense. Was there. It is reminds me of what Augustine says. It says that you have formed us for yourself, and our hearts are restless till we, till they find rest in you. That speaks to all of us. Because when it looks to the New Testament, here it is, the New Testament theology of rest. Here, What it says to us is, is that what Jesus has done and what he has finished, he not only wants us to find rest in him, but he wants us to come to him. Look at Matthew 20, I mean Matthew 11, 28 through 30. He says, come to me, all you who labor are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is key to our restfulness. Because what Jesus says is that you can't find rest unless you come to me. You can't find rest unless you lay down everything that is concerning you. You can't find rest for your heavy heart. Unless you actually pray the things that are going on in my life. I I remember a term kind of used when I was becoming a believer is that, and it was just changing your environment through seasons of prayer. Shift the atmosphere, so to speak. That reality became more prevalent in my theology simply because I knew whenever my heart was overwhelmed, The scripture said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Therefore, whatever comes my way, I don't have to, I don't have to go through that weary or that concern or that frustration myself. I actually go to Jesus. And what happens is, he gives me rest in exchange. He's a God that actually begins to take on everything that concerns us and gives us easiness. He's a God that when we don't know how that business deal is going to work out, we don't understand how we're going to make the next commission sale, that he teaches us through learning, through his gentleness on how to govern our business. When we don't, know, we don't understand how to make that next decision when it comes to careers, and you've been unemployed for three months and drawing unemployment, what happens is when you come to Jesus, he begins to show you, introduce you to people, make you shake the right hand, allows you to trust in him that he will make that provision for you. This is something that God teaches us simply by saying, if you trust in me, if you remember me on your day of rest, I'll, I'll show you the purpose. I'll make you a witness. And you will honor my Lordship. This morning, as I was praying through this, because I don't do a great job at resting, y'all. And I tried not to make this feel like a Sunday school, but, but what was happening to me as I was going through studying this passage, God was reminding me of how much I try to trust in my own works. And my own efforts. 
And when we look at Richard, our pastor, and Rachel, we need to be praying for them. As they've come back to the States, because it's a reminder that they still have a season in which God has work for them to do. And making provisions for them. But it's not just them, it's you too. So if you don't come to Jesus this morning, you can't find rest. He is all you need. And I asked the worship band to come this morning. He's all you need. If you come, come knowing that he will provide true rest. If you come, come knowing that he will take care of that anxious heart. If you come, come knowing that he will provide when you don't understand how things will work out. If you come because you've never come before, know that you're entering a rest that will change your life. That will transform your life for eternity. So I want to open this time for prayer. And if you're a leader, deacon, elder in our church, staff, come up here. But I want to open this time. It's not that this, this is, you need to be afraid of coming up here. Some of y'all, a lot of us, have not rested. And we just need somebody to pray for us. Lay hands on us. And that God will calm our anxious hearts. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we ask that we come knowing that you control everything. That you govern absolutely everything in our lives. And that you are the God who continues to make provisions for us through seasons, moments, days, times of rest. I pray, Jesus, that we honor you in all that we do. For it is in Jesus' mighty name all God's people said, Amen. Let us continue to worship God.